0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to EHS On Tap. We hope all our listeners had a safe and enjoyable holiday and are ready for more insights into the state of the environment, health, and safety industry for 2018. I'm your host, Justin Skase, editor of the EHS Daily Advisor and Safety Decisions Magazine. In today's episode, sponsored by Cority, we're diving into a topic that can sometimes be a bit intimidating for EHS professionals implementing EHS software at their organizations. Businesses worldwide are making the transition from paper to pixels, and it seems like new software solutions are popping up every day, offering new ways to manage EHS. As any safety pro knows, it can be difficult to get management to buy into initiatives, especially new and unproven ones. And even if you get the buy-in, you still have to figure out the right direction to take when considering software. Here with me today to lend her thoughts on how you can establish management buy-in and keep your EHS software project on track is Pamela Bobbitt, Director of Product Marketing and Channels at Cority, where she is in charge of the expansion of Cority's partner program and brings deep expertise in EHS processes and software to the role. Having trained as a chemist, Pamela spent over 15 years as an EHS professional in in the pharmaceutical, chemical, and automotive industries. Most recently, she has spent seven years at EHS software vendors using her industry expertise to translate business requirements into successful software programs. Pam, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Oh, thank you for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. Now, before we get into the specifics of software, let's talk just a bit about the elephant in the room behind every EHS initiative. Management perceptions of EHS that influence their buy-in. So Pam, what are some of these perceptions, both positive and negative, that you've experienced as a former EHS manager?
1: (laughs) That's a great question, and I'm sure people listening in um, have some of the same experiences. But EHS has typically been seen as a cost center, in organizations, sort of that necessary evil, if you will. Mm. We have to do this, you know, based on laws. And that has led to the perception of EHS kind of being the internal police or, you know, the person who always says, no, you know, we can't do that because of this or that. You know, right. a personal experience that I had was – um when I was an EHS manager at an automotive manufacturing facility and I was needed to talk to our um, production manager. So I was searching him out and when he saw me, he he looked at me and he said, great, now what? Right. <laughs> so, uh, and, and I think, you know, probably most people will, will think that they've had that uh, experience, you know, uh, once in a while, or if you're in a meeting, you raise your hand and everybody's eyes roll. Um,
0: mm. Absolutely. So, why do you think so many EHS professionals struggle to get uh, buy-in from management?
1: Well, you know, one of the things, you know, I always think about and, you know, looking back and, and having now the, the kind of the different roles and, and talking to, you know, my network, you know, we're, we're so passionate. EHS professionals are very passionate about what we do, right? We know and understand the importance. But we haven't really done a really good job of explaining that to others, like, and mm. looking at it from their perspective, like, you know, how, how does it impact the other business units in a positive way or the company as a whole? Right. So mm. we've been so, we're, we're so technical and, and we get it. We haven't been a good job of explaining to others. For instance, let's take, you know, an easy one, right? We as EHS professionals understand. Um, that our insurance rates relate to incident rates, right? So everybody talks about, and that's one of the KPIs that people will look at as incident rates. Well, we know that performing better than the industry standard, you know, having that target, we know why we have that target incident rate as an that we set for our company. It's because we want to be better than average, right? That competitive advantage be better advantage. But I don't think we've ever explained to others that having that, you know below industry standard um incident rate provides us with better insurance rates so you know overall saving the company hundreds of thousands in you know a large organization you know up to maybe millions in cost savings just related to making sure that you do have that low incident rate
0: right right so it's sort of a communication thing i think so Okay. Well, it can be a lot for a safety manager to be up against. So how can they shift these perceptions and really sort of sell the value of EHS internally at their organizations? Uh, You mentioned the insurance rates, uh, so management would be very interested in that. But how could they sell it internally both to employees and management?
1: Yeah. And I think it's all the same concept. and I've been doing a lot um, at conferences and and talking to network and it's kind of, you know, changing the conversation. EHS professionals, we, it's really great in this day and age of social media. I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, very technical, so not maybe the best communicators. Um, And now they're getting better at that. So it's changing that conversation instead of explaining it and going at it, because you know what it is, and, and kind of preaching to them about, you know, from that EHS perspective, frame the conversation from their point of view, right? So, for instance, let's wow. take that, um, you know, that insurance rate. So if you're in a meeting and you have finance in the room, well,
0: right.
1: what is finance concerned about? Well, they're concerned about cost and cost savings. So if you put it and explain it to them from their point of view, Then they can understand it better. And they're like, okay, well, I now understand how that impacts me. So you're bringing them in and you're getting their buy-in. So from, so think about, you know, manufacturing and operations. So one of the things I did with my production manager that, you know, said, oh, great, here she comes, right, was framed it. What are they concerned about? Well, you know, production is concerned about widgets out the door, right? If you think about manufacturing. Number of Uh widgets out the door, your quality as well, right? Because you want to have as much as you can going out and and you don't want to have to, you know, dispose of or trash, you know, um, any widgets. So there are a lot of now more and more statistics around, you know, production levels increasing and quality getting better when employees are in an atmosphere where they feel that they there's a strong safety culture. Right. So framing that, say, hey, I know we have to do this, but let me show you. Right. By doing this and the employees, then we have the potential to increase production. Well, then now you've got the ear of your operations. And right now Mm. there's a lot of talk around operational excellence and EHS can play a huge role in this. So, you know, framing it that way. And if you think about, you know, employees, what are employees concerned about? Well, they're concerned about their families making money and getting home. So if you're, you know, having, you know, that, then you want to make sure that you frame it from the perspective of what matters to that employee.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so let's move along to the the main event, per se. How can our listeners get management buy-in for the Relatively big initiative of procuring EHS software.
1: Well, one you want to make sure that you you know tie that EHS program to the overall corporate objectives, right? And it's really great because a lot of initiatives out there, like ISO forty five thousand and one, are beginning to Mm -hmm. do this, right? So tie tie your program um, to those corporate initiatives. And then again, make sure that you include not just why it's good and you should do it and maybe there's regulatory requirements, but why it's good for business, right? Why it's good for the overall for the company, for the bottom line and include all of those um, KPIs related to other business units, right? So you want to make sure that everybody sees the benefit from their perspective and then make sure that those you know, you've got those clear um, objectives and and tie some, you know, our potential ROI. You're not going to, you know, have exactly, but, you know, when you, there's a lot of research out there now that you can tie and say, here's what we've seen. And if we just focus on, you know, not, don't try to boil the ocean, but you focus on these huh. things. And this is the potential ROI that we can perceive.
0: Okay, very good. So, So we've shifted perceptions, we've got the buy-in, now how can EHS professionals keep their software project on track? So let's start with looking for a vendor or partner. Uh, What should safety managers, EHS managers look for?
1: (laughs) Um, That's a great question. Technology has advanced so much. Um, So you want to, and and it's a good thing too, because I think EHS professionals as a whole were kind of... Um, skeptical, right? Of how technology, um, can assist. But what you want to focus in on is right. make sure you understand your objectives and that you get something that fits your organization, right? So that there's lots of choices mm-hmm. out there, which is great. It also makes it harder. So really understand yeah. what you need, what's going to buy in. And then, um, you know, you really want to make sure that whoever you're working with, you feel comfortable with. Because I always talk about how it's a partnership, right? It's a long-term partnership with your technology vendor, with your software vendor. And you want to make sure that, you know, it's kind of like a marriage, that you're not always going to see eye to eye, but you want to be able to have somebody that you're comfortable with, that you can have those difficult conversations. And in this industry, Mm -hmm. it's really different. And I've really learned this having come over to um, the technology side. Right. It, it's really important to have someone who understands the business and the technology who can kind of play that translation because not all technology really understand what EHS people do and vice versa. So making sure that you have a vendor who de- not only has the technical expertise, but also has subject matter expertise, um, who understands the, has been in the shoes, right, of um, yeah. the, in the EHS professional.
0: Cool. So are are there any software features that EHS pros, you, you know, you're talking about subject expertise, are there any software features that EHS pros should maybe be wary of? You know, for example, have you seen any software out there that claims promises that just seem too good to be true, or that claim to solve safety issues that really shouldn't be left to automation?
1: Well, yeah, there, there are a couple of things. Um, you know, one is, uh, terminology, um, used by mm. software. So understanding, like take me before I, I moved to te- when I moved over in technology, I had no idea what SAS was. Right. And every uh-huh. vendor will say, um, you know, yes, we're SAS, we're SaaS, but there's a difference, right. Uh, between what's a hosted solution and a true SaaS solution. And so one of the things is,
0: now, now, by SaaS, you're talking about software as a service, correct?
1: That's correct, right? And so okay. some companies aren't truly a software, they're a software as a service for the fact that they are putting their technology on a cloud or hosted, right? All of these terminologies and they don't mean the same in EHS professionals because they're typically not technology right. savvy, don't know the different questions to ask, right? So some of the things is, you know, uh-huh. understanding like for SaaS, okay, well, is your software, is everybody on the same version of your software? And if the vendor says no, then that's a hit that there may be a hosted solution. Well, are there any upgrade costs? right? Because a true SaaS solution, you're always getting the latest upgrade, you have that consistency and maintenance, and you don't have to go through large upgrades to uh, the latest version, which can sometimes cost, you know, more than the implementation itself. So that's one of the things Mm. is making sure the, you know, the terminology and understanding and asking those questions. The other thing is around um, implementation. So yeah, technology uh, is so has s- changed so much from I'll date myself back in the day with access databases. Right. So um, mm-hmm. you can put uh, the easy thing is, is to put data in. Right. Like you can put data into anything and it can look slick and be really easy to use. But getting data out, that's the value. Right. So don't lose uh-huh. track of what is it about the you want to, we use technology so that we can get information out, right? So access databases were really great because you could easily create anything and put that data in, but try to get data out of it. It's a nightmare, right? So with right. technology, you want to make sure with this new software, it's getting, not only getting the information in and that looks slick and people will adopt it and things like that. We always hear easy to use. Well, the, the key thing is is it easy to get information out? And how can I get that out? And is it in a way that I can show, you know, reports and I can use it to improve my programs, right? And then a last thing is on, um, you know, on implementation is a lot of people think now that software, because we can load an app in 30 seconds, that software should be the same thing. Well, it's not the, the software that's you know, it takes a long time to get up and running. It's mapping your programs. This is a really process-driven organization, you know, subject. So making sure the implementation should not just be that software, but it should be also that, you know, mapping your programs. So anybody who says that they can get your software up and running in a couple of weeks, well, yeah, any any technology can. But what does that include to make sure and that's kind of that, is it too good to be true? Yeah, my software can be up and running, but what does that mean? Is it a shell? Is it populated with uh-huh. my terminology? Are my users in there? Are the reports ready to go? Um, so so mm-hmm. those are things to be wary of um, with the vendors, and you should make, make sure you ask more questions.
0: Okay, great. So now let's say you, you've picked a software, you're starting to implement it, Who should be involved on the EHS team or any other teams in the organization for that matter to ensure success?
1: Well, all of those people that you made new friends with, right? um, When you talked about getting their buy in originally, right? Mm -hmm. Having that conversation and framing it, they should kind of be not involved in every stage, but in certain stages. Definitely, you're going to have IT involved because even if you're using a SaaS solution, you want to make sure there are maybe some integrations. What we call, right, the, um, the SSO, the single sign-on. So you don't have to key in, um, things. Maybe you're going to integrate it with other systems. So you always want to make sure that the IT has visibility to it. Of course, you know, looking Mm. at your end users, your end users are typically are not EHS professionals. Of course you have some, but the majority of them are coming from other departments, like, you know, production or maintenance or, you know, even depending on, you know, sustainability, maybe even marketing and HR, right? So making sure that mm. you've got representatives at the right times in the, in there so that they see and they feel part of it. And then if you have a global organization, one of the things that I found key working with customers globally is to make sure that you have representatives from each geography right? And there as well. So they feel that their needs are met. Um, it, it's really important as you roll this out so they don't feel, you know, maybe um, I've seen it multiple times, right? So if it's driven from North America and Europe, they're like, oh, well, it's just focused on North America. So you need to make sure that you have those representatives from that geographical so they don't You know, they don't push back once it gets there. Oh, this doesn't meet our needs because that's just North America focused. Um, so that's it. Mm. And if you have, um, I had one customer, um, a program, a global program. Not only did we have different geographies, but we also had different like businesses. So they had like seven distinct business units underneath the the corporate organization that all ran as seven different businesses. So you had to bring in representatives from each business unit as well to the party. So that you make sure that from a business unit perspective, you're meeting their requirements.
0: Oh, okay. Okay, great. So now once the software is up and running, it'll probably be a pretty big change. So what are some change management strategies that EHS pros, EHS managers can use to ensure proper user adoption?
1: Well, training is always a key, right? Um, you know, right. training in the right way, training where um I've seen it best is where you kind of tie the technology to the business process, right? Because then people don't feel mm-hmm. like the technology is driving the process or just kind of a nice to have. It's embedded within that process. It's a support to it. So, you know, and having um champions within the organization at each one of those so that they can hear like the positive. So as you're rolling it out, typically, if you're doing a global rollout, you're going, you know, from one place to the other, bring those people who have, have seen what the software can do, that value that they can bring, which is, you know, typically either, you know, information you've never been able to get before or easily getting to information that you've, you know, used to spend like hours pulling your hair out getting. Um, so getting them in there, mm-hmm. Uh, and then having that kind of governance model. Right. So um, and one of the key things that I've seen that have really um, played into it is um, acceptance of the technology is when you if you go back to the very beginning where I talked about getting, you know, the you know, the go ahead for for this program, you're tying it to corporate initiatives. Well, then it trickles down that it becomes part of each individual's objective in some way, right? Everybody does performance reviews now at the end of the year and and it's tied into their overall corporate Mm -hmm. objectives that way. And so you're, everybody has a vested interest to make sure that this is is going. So, you know, starting at the very beginning, tying that to corporate objectives helps you with that user adoption once you get it out and rolling.
0: Okay, great. So Once you've finally got this big initiative rolling, I imagine it's important to start immediately planning how to report the return on investment, the good old ROI. So, Pam, how should EHS managers measure the ROI on their software project? Any particular metrics they should watch?
1: Well, you should have had your goals right set from the very beginning. You know, what are our goals? related to this. So you should always, you should have your reporting, um, and reports, uh, and your progress related to those goals. Like we said that we expected, right. Um, I'll take an example of this like global rollout program that I've kind of been alluding to that had different business units and different geographies involved. So, you know, one of their objectives was to make their, um, their corporate reporting, monthly corporate reporting, decreased the uh, administration time by twenty percent. Right, so their corporate reporting mm-hmm. took same information, but totally different. Needed to be reported completely different from regulatory reporting. Right, so you had to take the same data and then mm-hmm. just manipulate it totally different on a monthly basis, and it used it would take, uh, you know, and we streamlined uh at the very beginning, okay, to measure that, like how long did it take you to to manipulate this data and, and submit your corporate reporting? So on average, it mm-hmm. took about eight hours, right, of administration time of an EHS professional. Okay. okay. So then once it got up and running, then they took the time um and you're it, it was fantastic. So not all are this great, but it took that reporting time because they took in consideration as one of the goals when they set up the software, it reduced that time to 30 minutes, right? So, oh, wow. Exactly. <laughs> so um, there is that huge benefit. But one of the key things, and a lot of EHS p- professionals are probably like cringing because we always are resource constraint that, okay, then maybe that will give, you know, management a thought that, um, You can reduce headcount. No, then you say, okay, with that savings, here's what I've been able to do in addition. Like we've rolled out this program, which has resulted in, you know, a decrease in incident rates in this division by 0.2, which relates to a cost savings of this, right? So you need to always Mm -hmm. make sure that you show also. um, And if you have a system that has that reporting that I talked about is so important. You should be easily be able to pull out those objectives and those those KPIs within the organization and make the pretty charts. Because remember, when you're <laughs> when you're showing this to people like you know management, they they just want the pretty pictures, you know, and they <laughs> they don't want to see all the details. So make sure you you can show that in big pretty pictures, and um, and it's always good to have cost savings associated with it.
0: Absolutely. So uh, speaking of all the the pretty pictures and the charts and stuff, so once you have all this ROI info, safety data, the software has been in use for a while, do you have any other tips on how EHS pros should present it to the higher-ups, either, you know, one time or continually, just to ensure that this project that they've worked so hard for doesn't Just get the ax.
1: Well, there's a couple of things. Of course, you know, ongoing, you should always, there's always like huge, typically, you know, quarterly stakeholder meetings that have the pretty Mm -hmm. picture. So you always want to be dazzling them and with, you know, the the snazzy reports and have the other departments jealous of that. But one of the things that a lot of people forget about, and companies do this a lot, is that um, they have initiatives for employees to say that, um you know, of uh, highlighting, you know, programs or nominating programs that have brought benefit to the company. So, in some ways, it's like the, um, like, I forget what they call them, but like, you know, champion awards. So, sometimes they have like champion awards, you know, what projects have contributed, you know, to the betterment of the overall organization. Or in some cases, um, I know one of the pharmaceutical companies I worked for, you have, you know, if you put in, helped initiate a program or part, part of a program to save the company money, then you got a percentage of the cost savings to the organization. And a lot of organizations mm-hmm. have this. So one, in those champion awards, right, you get that recognition, not only for yourself, but for all of those different team members. Now, remember, we're pulling in different business units. So you're getting highlighted At a corporate level, right? So submit your program to these internal, you know, patting on the back initiatives that that organizations have now, and then you're going to get that recognition across the organization. So maybe you haven't even somebody that hadn't known about the program; they're going to learn about it like on their corporate intranet when the you know awards are announced. And you may also then all of you in the program for those that get those cost savings. Um, you know, it may get a little bit of extra, you know, uh, money, um, surprise money, a little bonus for, you know, putting in initiatives that were was good for business. And you got a piece of that back as a little reward.
0: Sounds great. Well, this is all excellent advice for our EHS on tap listeners, Pam. Uh, thank you again for joining us. Thank you. Absolutely. And we also want to thank Cority for sponsoring this episode of EHS on Tap. Cority, formerly Medgate, is the most trusted environmental, health, safety, and quality EHSQ software for assuring client success. Cority enables organizations to utilize EHSQ software to advance their journey to sustainability and operational excellence by combining the deepest domain expertise with the most comprehensive and secure software-as-a-service platform. With 30-plus years of innovation and experience, Cority's team of 250 experts serve more than 800 clients in 70 countries supporting millions of end-users. To learn more about how Cority can help you make the business case for EHS software and improve EHS program performance at your organization, visit Cority.com at www.cority.com. So thank you for listening. Until next time, this is Justin Scase for EHS on Tap.